Hi, welcome to My Life's Work podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Sarah. This month, we had the honor of talking with DC actor Craig Wallace. Craig's career sprouted from his determination as a young adult to figure out who he was. Once he discovered his identity as an actor, he shifted his focus to speak, understand, and immerse himself into the world of William Shakespeare. Sometimes it's difficult, when we see someone excelling at what they do, to imagine the steps and the hard work that got them there. This couldn't be more exemplified in Craig's path. As someone who started off not understanding Shakespeare and is now a renowned Shakespearean actor. I could not read it. I could not understand it. But I wanted to. And now I can. And now I do. And so I'm very proud of that. Especially as a man of color. But let's start all the way back in Craig's childhood in Rochester, New York. You know those questions, the ones that so many of us asked or are asking in high school. The questions of who am I, who am I meant to be? Craig also grappled with these questions throughout his adolescence and considered them a defining part of his development. I would say that the profound thing that shaped my life was the need to find out who I was, even when I couldn't even articulate that. You know, when you're standing at the dance and you realize that, you know, you, you know everybody there, but don't know who are your friends and why am I here? Like those questions moved me at a young age. We all have moments in our life when a seemingly inconsequential decision ends up shaping everything. For Craig, this moment was when he opted for the class drama, a practicum, in order to get out of taking American literature in his senior year of high school. At first, Craig didn't take the class seriously. I was a clown, so I'd get up and do stuff, you know, because I was a big senior and, you know, it's just a class to fool around in so I could get an easy A and all of that. I, like, I did all of that knucklehead stuff. His teacher, Miss Betsy Borsi, was having none of it. She knew that there was something special for Craig in theater. And she had the vision to go, no, no, there's something, you know, that I had a light on. And she just lifted the cap off of it. Miss Borsi wanted Craig to try out for that year's school play. But Craig wasn't convinced. There was a big drama around it. Like, she talked to my parents, and my parents were like, dude, do the play. Like, what's the big deal? The play was Guys and Dolls, and it ended up changing Craig's life. I played Nicely, Nicely Johnson. He sings Feud for Ten Horns, and... He's in the he's in he's in all the big gambler numbers, and then he has a little kind of show stopping number. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. You know, I mean, I I liked to dance, but I never really danced in front of people. I danced in my basement, and I danced. But this was an opportunity for me to dance. I loved it. You know, this guy he's he's funny. Like here was an opportunity for me to crack jokes on stage. You know, also also this immediate family, like, right, the great thing, the thing I love to joke about when I talk about high school theater is that you rehearse for months and you do it for like two weekends. <laughs> but, you know, that was that was every day after school. We would be together. I hadn't had a family like that, you know, because I hadn't I really didn't I didn't play sports and I didn't, you know, but now we were a company. We were a group. And and every Every day after school, 
we'd get together, we'd sing, we'd dance, we'd work on the play. Theater began to help Craig solve those uncertainties he felt in high school, standing on the dance floor and wondering who he was. Craig's identity began to solidify. I think that as a kid, I was curious. I loved to read. Uh, I was imaginative and expressive. I, I, I was I was shy and still am shy. But when I found acting, when I found the play, I found that I was able to express myself in ways that I really couldn't in any other form. And I just knew that I had found my home and I found my people. You know, because growing up, it wasn't really arts for me. It was sports and it was TV and I was a DJ. And But there was a side of me that wasn't being fulfilled, wasn't being uh, welcome to express. When I started to crystallize, when I started to figure out who I was, I ran with it. And when I did that play, it just opened up all kinds of doors for me in terms of my own self-expression. Even though Craig loved acting, at this point, he did not want to be an actor. Worried about the potential financial instability of acting, he moved on, arriving at Howard University with the goal of starting a career in communications and radio. I still also bought into the idea that, you know, I, I'm not an actor and it's a risky business and all of that, but I was lying to myself. Guys and Dolls helped to uncover Craig's love of acting, but participating in the production of The Death of Bessie Smith while at Howard made him fall in love with the work of acting. It's a crazy play. It's really a, a, a expressionistic kind of play, but it was a play. It wasn't really the, the work. It was doing the work that made me decide that I wanted to live the work. And once I did that play, I said, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. Fortunately, I had some aptitude for it. <laughs> he could no longer ignore the obvious. He was an actor. During his senior year of high school, Craig's drama class set him up on the first step of his acting career. In his senior year at Howard, he experienced a similar turning point. It was Michael Kahn's first year at Shakespeare Theatre, I believe. But he had wanted some people of color uh, to be part of the company. And uh, me and two other friends of mine, we went over as Howard students to be part of the Shakespeare Theater. Shakespeare Theater was still at the Folger at the time. And um, I fell in love with Shakespeare. I fell in love with the language. I fell in love with the, with the actors and the company. Uh, but I still really couldn't grasp it. And I knew that I wanted to grasp it. And that's why I went to graduate school. Not only did this determination to understand Shakespeare influence Craig's decision to go to grad school, it shaped his whole career. You know, I can say that uh, there was a time when I couldn't even read a Shakespeare play. And now I am uh, about six plays away from completing the entire canon. So I was motivated by this idea that there was something in front of me that I really wanted and I was willing to work hard for it. The process to get to where he is today, six plays from completing the Shakespearean canon, was a long journey. It started in grad school, and then, you know, once I got back to the Shakespeare Company after uh, leaving grad school, just being around the talent and and the skill of the company, it's like anything else, you know? I mean, I was I, I was literally learning a language. And so, you know, when I got to the Shakespeare Theater Company in 91, I was carrying spears and moving tables. So it wasn't like I just walked into a role where I was speaking. 
So, you know, I spent a lot of time just listening and learning and being around the table with all these incredible directors and actors. And after a while, I got a line or two and then a line or two became a role and then a role became bigger roles. And then suddenly I was in it. One of the actors who mentored Craig in his early years at the Shakespeare Theater was Ed Jarrow. Quick note to our listeners, Ed Jarrow is a renowned actor who has won multiple Helen Hayes Awards, a prestigious award for theater in D.C. He was like this amazing star at Shakespeare, and I was carrying Spears. And, you know, now he and I have become colleagues, which is, is a thing that really touches me, that, you know, he went from teacher to friend. You know, when I was in the state of not knowing what I was doing, you know, him having the the generousness of spirit to just say, you know, watch and learn. That's one of the things that I've tried to adopt in my career is that when I see a, a young person in the play, anything I can do to help that person, I'll do because I had that help when I was coming up. It may be difficult now to imagine Craig as a nervous intern carrying spears and striving to understand the Shakespearean language. Today, Craig, like his mentor, Jero, is a fixture in the D.C. theater world. Craig was never interested in theater because of the adoring crowds or the possibility of stardom. Instead, he focused on his love of the work, the welcoming community, and his enduring journey to understand Shakespeare's work. You know, the goal for every young actor is to make it to New York. Uh, But I got the first job, and then I got another job. And then I got a whole season and then I got several seasons, you know, so suddenly, suddenly I was a working actor and I was fulfilling that goal right here in D.C. For many, Shakespeare's plays may feel elite and convoluted, but Craig discovered the heart and the relevance of these works. But it was the poetry of his language that captured and kept Craig's fascination. These people seem like they're larger than life, but they're really just you and me. You know, these plays are more than about kings and queens. These people love, they hate, they lust, they get jealous. I mean, these sort of age-old themes, and it's done through this poetry that's just powerful and moving. And I just wanted to be a part of that. Craig's quest to understand Shakespeare led him far beyond just performing Shakespeare's plays. Doing Shakespeare taught me how to do comedy, taught me how to do drama, taught me how to do straight plays. You know, just the the work ethic that's required to learn the the language and tell those great stories, classical stories, really allowed me to to grow. In fact, one of Craig's most beloved roles is non-Shakespearean. Since 2016, he started Scrooge in the Ford Theater's A Christmas Carol. This is a role formerly held by his mentor, Ed Jarrah. People love Scrooge's redemption. And it's great that year after year after year, people come back to see him redeemed. And uh, that's one of the things that's wonderful about what theater can do, to have people celebrate the notion of redemption. Or I I just love that, that our Christmas Carol is becoming more and more diverse every year. You know, it's so great to have young people of color see a Scrooge that looks like them. You know, we need to keep bringing people into the theater so that the audiences can sustain, so that the theaters themselves can sustain. Any discussion about theater these days has to include an acknowledgement of COVID's devastating effect on the arts world. It certainly has, has taken its toll, not just on theater, but all kinds of entertainment venues, concerts and things like that. 
um, we can come back from it. We can absolutely come back from it. But it's not about whether the art can survive. It's whether we can get people to come back into a room and sit next to each other. And, you know, it's also about whether we can be backstage with 25 people and we can do it safely without getting sick. Craig talked about the creative ways that theater has been coping with this crisis and reimagining how to engage with an audience at a distance. Forrest's production of A Christmas Carol was transformed into a radio production this past year. You know, it was re- really moving for us. And we're just so glad that we got a chance to do something that that Christmas Carol, that tradition that's gone on forever, didn't get canceled altogether. But, you know, we hope to do it live in the fall. Craig does remain hopeful about the future of theater. If you're a theater lover, we're coming back. We're absolutely coming back. And we're ready to come back. And we all just have our fingers crossed, not only for theater, but for the world, that we all can be in a room together again somewhere, if not in the theater, then someplace else, that we can be in a room safely, that we can shake hands, that we can hug each other, and and it not cost us our health. Until we can sit together in a theater watching great actors like Craig Wallace, there are many opportunities to stay connected to the theater world. Check out a 10-episode mini-web series through Roundhouse Theater called Homebound. Craig stars in this production, and you can watch it at roundhousetheater.org. Craig is currently working on another exciting project. He is making his directorial debut at the Roundhouse Theater with a production of A Boy in His Soul. This will be streamed at roundhousetheater.org. I live just a few blocks from the Folger Shakespeare Library, and I've had the opportunity to watch Craig perform on stage many times. So it was a particular honor to speak with him about his journey. A piece that stuck with me from our conversation was Craig's description of finding his identity in high school. Craig described that common teenage feeling of not knowing who he was or where he belonged. He knew he didn't fit into the categories that his friends used to describe themselves. This makes me think of the challenge that teens are facing today as they navigate forming their identities during the pandemic. Without school, how does one identify as a student? Without sports teams, how does one identify as an athlete? Without orchestra, a musician. For me, playing cello had been a fundamental piece of my identity. I had found community with the DC Youth Orchestra, love for the music, and dedication to the work. I no longer play cello, but that doesn't mean my identity has gone as well. I need to find the essence of who I am, which used to be expressed through music, and now must find other outlets. It would be easy to define Craig's success by his acting resume, but acting is just a medium he found to express the essence of himself, to engage in the community, and to support those around him. I am confident that even if Craig had never walked into that drama classroom in Rochester, New York as a senior in high school, the intensity, dedication, and love that he holds for acting would not be lost in this world, for those things are the essence of who he truly is and would be expressed in another way in another life's work. As the pandemic is winding down, many of us are faced with the challenge of finding our essence, now that some avenues to express ourselves have been altered or erased. Maybe that journey will require us to take some risks, like Craig did when he walked into that stage of the first Guys and Dolls performance. I would love to hear what risks you have taken or are taking right now in figuring out who you are. 
Leave a comment on our website, mylifesworkpodcast.org, or send us an email at mylifesworkpodcast at gmail.com. One thing that I found particularly fascinating about speaking to Craig was seeing the personality that's behind the actor, and even more, what goes through his mind while he's up there on the stage, taking on another persona. Before the pandemic hit, I was going to the theater more and more. It was definitely a developing interest of mine, and the more Shakespeare I saw, the less I relied on the plot summaries and previews to figure out what was going on. Craig's description of what draws him to theater, the raw emotion, the relatable human struggle, reminded me of why I have come to love theater. But I always wondered, what's it like to be on that stage? How do you fit your own personality into that of the character you take on? Let's listen to Craig's answer to that question. Well, after I get the part and read the play, then I just try to find my way into it. And I always use myself as a foundation. But I also always let my imagination take me to where that character is and who that character is. I may be playing a villain and I I may be using myself as a foundation for that villain, but who that villain is, is really based on the script and, and what's in my head. So because of that, I'm safe from who that character is. In other words, if I'm in a scene where I have to cut someone's throat, I can absolutely do it with glee because that's the story And that's the character. And I'm not going to have nightmares about that because that's not who I am. I'm not a throat cutter. But I'm embodying the throat cutter and I'm going to do it. But it's because I'm, I'm allowing my imagination to go where the character needs to go to. And I'm giving over to what the playwright has written in the script. I can see how this way of projecting applies to all forms of art. When I'm learning a new piece on the cello, for example, there's more to it than just learning the notes. I need to find my own personal take on the music, on the character that it exudes. But sometimes I have to play an elegiac piece when I'm feeling happy, or I'll have to play a powerful, dynamic piece when I'm feeling neither of those things. What I learned about art after talking with Craig is that it's not just a way to understand and project your own character out into the world, but sometimes a way to learn about the characters of others. Sometimes you need to cast aside your own feelings, your own struggle, in order to more fully delve into the mind of another through a piece of music or a novel or a play. Sometimes we need to create something that we know little about. But as Craig says, that's where the creativity can come in. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Next up, a special episode will feature your memories of the Capitol Grounds pre-fencing. Thank you so much to everyone who has already sent in this story. If you didn't get a chance to add your voice this time, keep an eye out for future projects. We hope to continue to find ways to include your stories in My Life's Work podcast. Leave a comment and see pictures of Craig on our website, mylifesworkpodcast.org. We'll see you next time.